Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might rescue us from this present evil world, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. We should certainly listen to the one who created the ear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. He doesn't say, let him hear what he wants to hear. Paul tells Timothy, the days are coming when people with itching ears will heap up for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, to suit their own desires. And we have seen that arise in all Christendom for the past 2,000 years. We have splits, divisions that are a scandal to unbelievers who ask, if the Word of God is so clear, then why are you divided? Which one should I believe? And people contend. And they say, well, like the Roman Catholic Church does, we have the Pope. He's the one who decides what Scripture means. You need to have an arbiter. He settles all the disputes. The problem is the Bible doesn't say that. It says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over each other, Jesus says, and those, uh, and, and, but it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must become a servant. So God never places a pastor above the Word of God. There is nothing above the Word of God. Through the Word of God, we all were created. And through the Word of God, we are all brought to faith in Christ and sustained in it. And yet, it seems like such a small, insignificant thing. <clears throat> it is so easily trampled upon, ignored, and rejected in favor of other things. But Jesus does this on purpose. He places the most powerful thing there is, the Word of God, into a little seed. A little seed is what he calls it. Something insignificant. Something small. And he describes and explains that the reason why the Word of God isn't believed is not the problem of the seed. It is the problem of the ground upon which it falls. And there are three types of ground upon which the gospel of the kingdom falls. There is the road or the path where it is trampled down by the feet of man and eaten by birds. There is the rocky ground where it sprouts up and grows, but then withers away because it has no moisture, no root. There is the thorny ground where it grows up but is choked by the thorns. And only on the good ground does it actually grow and bear fruit. These correspond to our three great enemies, that unholy trinity of the devil, the world, and our sinful flesh. The Word of God is more powerful than anything, and yet only faith can see this. It is the message of the kingdom. That is what this is. It is a message that no matter what you see here on earth, there is a Lord over sin, over death, over devil, over all things. And yet He does not come in pomp and power, becomes lowly, just as his word is lowly and regarded as such. 
The message of the kingdom is that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. The message, the word of the kingdom that Jesus came to preach is that what ruins people's lives, their disobedience towards God, their rejection of Him, they're being cut off from the source of their life. Their problems with other people, their selfishness thinking only of themselves, all of this is taken away by Jesus Christ, the Son of God and child of Mary. All of this is overcome in the body of the Son of Man. But only those who want that and know that they need it will listen to it. The road is where it's trampled. It's hard. It's not going to grow there. And that's where it's trampled down by the foot of men and the birds of the air come and take it. And Jesus says this is when they hear the word of God, the devil comes and he snatches it out of their hearts lest they understand and believe. Now this happens everywhere. You look and you see, why do people not believe in Jesus? When I was a kid, I thought, this is amazing. I get to go to heaven. He died for my sins. We're all sinners. Why don't people believe this? Well, there are lots of reasons. And the main reason that we see here is that the devil teaches false things about God. He teaches them that there, either there is no God, or he teaches them you can't know anything about God, or he teaches them that you can do whatever you want, he teaches them ridiculous theories. The reason people believe in evolution is not because the evidence points towards it. It doesn't. There are dozens of reasons why evolution doesn't make sense, besides the fact that it's just very degrading to humanity to think that these amazing bodies that we have evolved randomly from a primordial soup. No, it's not because there's evidence for it. There isn't. They fabricate evidence, but it's not there. The reason they believe in evolution is because it makes things random and they are no longer accountable to a God who created them. They can do what they want. That's the reason why. But that is a false teaching that allows them simply to ignore the Word. Ignore the Gospel. Why would I listen to it? That doesn't make any sense. Or you can have destructive heresies that come in. The devil does this too. Jesus isn't true God, the Mormons say. Or the Jehovah's Witnesses. And so when they hear of anything about Jesus, the true word of the kingdom, and they hear about Jesus, all they think about is the firstborn uh, intelligence or spirit being of God and his wife, that's what they believe, who later on and was an example to us so that if we do all that is in us, then we could be saved by his grace. And so the devil snatches away the truth of God's word by confusing them with falsehood. This happens in so many places. The devil snatches it out by giving them another lie that they think is reasonable. And so we see this happening everywhere. From the beginning of the fall and still to this day. The devil teaches false doctrine. And a lot of people go after us Lutherans. They say that you're so stodgy about doctrine and you think you're right all the time. It's not that we're right. The question is, is whether the scriptures are true. I was talking to one of my catechumens. He says, well, what if there's a disagreement in scripture? I said, well, then you go to scripture. 
You go back to the Bible. Is it clear or not? And what the devil wants to do is say, no, he makes himself appear as an angel of light. This is clear, this is clear, and not the scriptures. And he wants to turn you away from them. You will not surely die if you continue in sin. There will be no punishment for sodomy or lesbianism or fornication. No, you will not surely die. There will be no punishment for living a life of greed. This is how life is. You want the best life now. Forget about your wife and children. God wants you to be happy. And so God, and so the devil teaches a false belief so that you no longer feel the need for the forgiveness of sins, for a savior, for a kingdom that is not of this world. He snatches it away so they don't understand it. They just don't care. That's the devil. And the world, of course, is allied by the devil, or allied with the devil. That Jesus calls the devil the prince of this world, the ruler of this world. Why? Because they obey him. The world is concerned with their own power and pride and pomp. That's what the world is concerned about. The world has, has the influence that can make you do things you don't want to do. Remember when millions of people got, got jabbed with an experimental medicine because they didn't want to lose their jobs? Or because they were, they were assured that this was a safe and effective way of managing this horrible disease that was ravaging everything? Remember that? Remember the power of the world made people do this? And people did it without knowing any of the facts? They just trusted because the world is powerful. When you were a kid, it was called peer pressure. Remember that? Peer pressure. Why did I first smoke a cigarette? Because of peer pressure. All sorts of things like that happen to us. It's a rocky ground, though. There's no moisture. There's no place for the root to grow. Because when the world comes, you, this is the thing. They believe. He says they believe for a while. And so any Calvinist or Reformed person who says that they didn't really believe is contradicting the clear word of God. It says they believe for a while. What are you going to say? It doesn't mean that? That sounds like did God really say they believe the gospel. They hear, I have seen it with my eyes. You can't see faith, but you see their confession. You hear it. You see their works change. They get all excited about the gospel. It's the most amazing thing in the world. Really? The God of all things isn't mad at me anymore? Hallelujah! Oops, I said hallelujah. Sorry, I wasn't supposed to do that. It's Easter. In any case, that's what happens. And then when time of testing comes, when their family doesn't want to listen to them, doesn't want to hear about Jesus. When their job insists on them calling men women and women men. When in order to get promoted in the company, you have to approve of certain behaviors that are against the seventh commandment that says thou shalt not steal. When in order to be a part of the in crowd, you must mock certain people. It's rocky ground when you care about what the world says about you more than what God thinks about you and says about you in his word. And so they believe for a while, and in time of testing, they fall away. They hold on to the truth and then let go. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. 
The world is powerful. Then you have our flesh. The flesh cares only about its own feelings. The flesh is the old Adam. It is the image that we inherit from our father Adam, who disobeyed God, and so that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And we have this attitude that it goes something like this. If anything gets in the way of what I want, that isn't as important as what I want. This is how little children are, and this is how we are. I've told this story before. I don't know how many times. You have some two-year-old rushing towards an open, burning oven. Okay? And then you have a kid, an older brother or sister or mom or dad, grab the two-year-old, save the two-year-old from immense pain and damage. And what does the two-year-old do? He screams and gets mad because you stopped his will. That's how it works. This is how it, I, luckily, I had a twin brother. I used to say, John, you want to go out into that street over there and look at the cars? John would say, better not do that, Malk. He saved my life many times. That's how we are, though. God says, honor your father and your mother. And we say, I don't want to. I think they're wrong. God says, you shall not murder. We say, yeah, but that guy's a jerk. I'm going to hold this grudge until he shows himself to be a little bit more humble to me. God says, you shall not commit adultery. And Christians ignore it. And they fornicate before marriage and think that I'm not going to die. Did God really say, I'm like God. I know good and evil. I can handle myself. Or people start being greedy and thinking more and more about their money. And next thing you know, they're skipping church to go work because they need the money. They need the money. They need the money. They're worrying about money. God says to value another person's reputation as much as you do. And instead, you hold this grudge and gossip, complain about it to other people, and it chokes the word. It chokes the law of God that plows the ground. It chokes the Holy Spirit convincing you that you are actually a sinner in need of something greater than the lies the devil tells you, greater than the fame and power of this world, greater than the pleasures and money and cares of this life. All three of those kinds of ground, the path, the rocks, and the thorns, exist in and around us. Each one of us has to, if we have ears, hear and listen. Jesus says in in, in reciting the same parable in Mark, he says, take heed, pay attention to how you hear. For with the measure you hear, it will be measured back to you. And to him who hears, more will be given. Now Jesus says the parable, and then his disciples come to him. And we know this is not just the apostles, this is the students. That's what disciples means, the learners. They come to him. They come back for more. And they say, tell us what this means. And he says, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to others it has not been given, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not hear. 
Now, two things first. Why does Jesus tell the mystery, the meaning of the parable, to his disciples? Because they wanted to hear the word. They went back. They didn't just look at it once and say, I've read the Bible. I know it. You ever meet those people? I've read the whole Bible once. And I'm like, oh, once. That's great. Huh. Yeah, I read uh, Robinson Crusoe like four times. Let me tell you. No, you pass, you, pass the by, you pass by the Word of God and you don't think about it. In all cases, it falls on the road, it's snatched away. All right, just forget about it. In the rocks, you listen to it for a while and then you just forget about it. You, you, I'm, I'm, I got other things going on. I got, a, I got the world here to impress. You hear the Word of God and then, and then, and then you get distracted by worrying about things, by, by, by seeking pleasures by seeking riches, and then where's the word? You're ignoring it. You hear Jesus' parable and you walk away. Seeing, you didn't see. Hearing, you didn't understand. St. Paul speaks like a madman in today's epistle, like a fool. He's going after the Corinthians who are tempted by the world there to boast about their knowledge. Corinth was a city cosmopolitan city where you had a lot of snooty academics. People who had lots of grand theories about the world. And it was important to be sophisticated. And so they were tempted, these Corinthian Christians, to care about what the world thought about them. And Paul puts it into perspective for them. He puts it back into place. And he starts bragging about all the things that he suffered. And then he tells a story about a man. He doesn't even, it's him, because he says later that it is. But he doesn't even mention it as him. But a man who went into the highest heaven and heard things that man cannot utter, things that we are going to hear when we go to heaven that we don't know right now. Hidden things. He said, of such a man I will boast, but in myself I will not boast except in my weaknesses. Why is this? Why does he boast only in his weaknesses? and not in these grand things that God has given him. It is because it is only when we are weak that we are strong. It is only when the plow of God's law and the plow of the cross he lays on our lives breaks that ground, breaks through the path, cuts out the rocks, cuts down the thorns, tears them out, we are ready to hear the word of God as it is written, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Take heed how you hear. Do you need the gospel? Do you need more than anything in your life to know that your maker is pleased with you for Christ's sake? Do you need to know in the midst of this world of sin, in the midst of your life of sin, in the midst of your troubles, of sicknesses, of conflicts with family members, of burdens, of pains, of lack of resources, of, of lack of money, and all these things. What is it that you need to know? Most of all, you need to know something that the world and the devil and your flesh want you to ignore. You need to know that the God who created you and from whom you have run away so many times is here at hand. Now is the day of grace. Now is the day of salvation. Awake you who sleep, and Christ will give you light. 
And He does. How does He give you this light? He gives it to you in something that seems so insignificant. Something that seems so poor and so small. And yet to him who for sin grieveth, comfort sweet and hope it giveth. Everyone who thirsts come to the waters, and you who have no money come buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live. That is what Isaiah says previously in chapter 55 of the Old Testament lesson. And he says, As assuredly as the rain and the snow come down and make the earth to sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that comes from my mouth. It will accomplish what I desire. And therefore, you look away from your heart. You look away from the world. You look away from all the intelligence, grand theories of sciences, institutions, and you humble yourself and listen to the words of eternal life that come from Jesus Christ, your Lord. Because nowhere else in the world, nowhere else in your heart, no angel from heaven can give you this except what has been given to you in your baptism, this seed that tells you that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners, this seed that finds you when you feel that you have lost and failed because you have when you don't see God anymore, but you see your sins. When you look around and there's nothing around. It's just barren land, all broken up. And God has by His law, and by the plow of the cross and affliction, prepared your heart to listen to the words of eternal life. It is as our mother Hannah sang, the Lord wounds and He heals. He kills and He makes alive. He doesn't heal and then wound. He doesn't make alive and then kill. No. First, He has to break our hearts. He has to show us that our worries aren't, aren't worth it. That money isn't actually what we need the most. The pleasures that we have followed actually have only given us more pain. That the world who promises happiness and joy and success is vain and empty. That the devil claims to have such power over everything by teaching false teachings and dividing people into millions of different religions is actually overcome by this one little seed that is placed in your heart when you hear that God loves you because of Christ. And that is the power. It's just like at Christmas, you know? Amazing what the devil does. Christmas is no longer thanking God for the gift he gave us, but instead spending tons of money and, you know, everybody's sad afterwards. That's why we keep celebrating with Epiphany, guys. Keep your tree up until the end of Epiphany. That's my advice. It's a great thing. In that little baby is all of God. As, as, as Paul says to the Colossians, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him bodily. And that little weak baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. And so also, on this cross, where is a naked, bloody, beaten man, is a weak man by all appearances. By all appearances, it looks like he has failed. Why would you trust in a man who is dead? 
Because this seed tells you that every power of the devil, of the world, and of your flesh was swallowed up by him and destroyed in his suffering and his death by his own innocence and divine power. And he proved it when he was raised from the dead and came to his disciples who wanted to hear his word. And the first thing he said to those who had abandoned him and betrayed him and denied him was, peace be with you. And he planted that seed in their heart again. And he plants it in your heart again today. You who are weary and weak and think you need to be stronger, that God's power is made perfect in weakness. And he gives you the strength to carry on. He gives you the strength to carry on by giving you in this seed, with this word, the body that carried the sin of the world and all of your burdens and then left it all in the grave when he rose from the dead and he is seated at the right hand of God preparing a place for you so that you know you are going to get through this hard time. The Christian religion, as I said last week, is stupid. right? It's stupid to the world. Stupid to our flesh. It doesn't make any sense. Why aren't the rich and powerful and strong in charge? Why does Jesus choose fishermen, tax collectors, as his apostles? You know, consider your calling, brethren, how not many of you who are wise according to the flesh have been called. Not many rich, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And the things that are not, that he may bring to nothing the things that are. And so you come here with nothing. You come and you kneel at this altar with nothing. Because that's what sin has done. It's destroyed you. You don't come with righteousness. You don't come with anything. You come only with sin and faith in this seed, in this word. And you say, Jesus, please take my sins away. And he says, yes, I will. Take, eat. This is my body that bore them. Take, drink. This is my blood that forgives them. And you who were weak, are strong with the same strength that overcame sin and death that paves the way to heaven and that will help you endure the cross, will give you strength in times of doubting, in times of fear. That is why we never blame the Word. Never blame God. This is such an anti-Calvinist text here. And it's anti-Arminian. You know? It's never... The, the ground doesn't give the seed its power. The seed has its power in itself. So there goes, go the people who think that, you know, by our own decision we become Christians. And then, on the other hand, it's not, it's not God's plan that they don't believe. It's their own hearts. It's their own fault. Some believe for a while and fall away. And this is why Jesus says, narrow is the way that leads to life. And immediately after says, beware of false preachers, of false prophets, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They want to distract you from the very clear word of God. Don't be distracted. If you have seen in your heart hardness, repent. You should not not trust in God. If you have seen in your heart more concern for what the world thinks about you than for what God thinks about you, repent. Hear the word. 
Listen to it. Focus on it. He who has ears to hear, let them hear. If you have let pleasures that are forbidden by God and worries and concerns about the future and money distract you from listening to God's word, repent. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We are talking about your eternal soul here. Our life on earth is short. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. Receive Jesus, the forgiver, the author and finisher of your faith, the one who will sustain you in trial and beneath every burden will forgive you and make your burden easy and light, who will give you rest not only now, but when you face death, that great unknown veil, you will see through that veil by this word which God gives you and you will see Christ waiting for you. It will be lit up with confidence because the way has been broken, the way has been shown in Christ who is the way. And so this is why, you know, for Lent, I, that's cool. You know, fast, that's great. A lot of us need to fast, you know. If you're way too overweight, if you've been uh, eating and drinking too much, if you are addicted to various uh, TV shows or online things, then, then to gain control of your flesh, it's a very good thing to do some fasting. Very good. But what I would recommend even more is that instead of giving up something, take up something. Take up hearing the Word of God more. In Advent and Lent, we have a Lutheran tradition for hundreds of years of having a midweek service. And here it's at 6 o'clock on Thursdays. You can come and you can add that to your schedule. Add it. Fight for it. Fight to hear the Word of God. That's a great way to do it. Or if you have been neglecting the Word of God because you're so busy in the morning and you're too tired at night, change your ways. Change them. Say, I'm going to get up at this time and I'm going to spend 10 minutes reading the Word of God. 10 minutes is better than nothing at all. Get more of that seed into your heart. Plow out the... Do you know what that seed's going to do? It's going to break up the road. It's going to tear out the rocks. It's going to pluck out the thorns. It's going to heal your soul. Hear, and your soul will live. That is my prayer for all of you. There's no greater power than the Word of God. And if you have it, if you have it, you have the assurance from the maker of heaven and earth upon whose will everything depends, to whom it is known whether a hair falls off your head and whether a sparrow falls to the ground, you have his favor, his love, his approval in Christ and his promise to be with you always, even unto the end of the age. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.